Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Fantastic, my friend. We are going to jump right into today's episode. Uh, We're going to be talking about a NutriSense blog article that caught our attention as we have this conversation and get this question so often inside of our Fasting for Life community group, inside of our coaching group, inside of our challenges. And it all stems around what's the ideal fasting schedule and how many times a day should I eat and how many meals should I really be eating? Mm, This is a really cool article, right? Showed up in our inbox. We're like, you know what? This is fantastic. We partnered with NutriSense. Let's go through this and unpack it in the fasting for life way. Yeah. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to a most recent five-star review, and then also welcome in all of the new listeners. If you want to hear more about Tommy and I and how fasting has transformed our lives, head back to episode one, where you'll hear our journey and how it transformed and helped us so much. And now we've started this podcast where we come every single week (laughs) talking about all things fasting, breaking the first two rules of fasting 24-7, 365, to help you walk out your fasting lifestyle. And Tommy, let's do the shout out and then we'll head into today's conversation. Yeah. So Cake NT says, Oh, like that's that so great. For how many meals you should eat. Right. Yeah, great. I know. It's perfect. She says, just wow. Some history. I'm 59, started at 192, gained that weight after retiring from the military 11 years ago. Thank you for your service. Like you, I've tried everything with no success and I've spent lots and lots of money doing it. And actually says, I had no blood markers from insulin resistance. However, after wearing a CGM for a couple of months, I definitely have insulin resistance. And yeah, I had some eye-opening results from that as well. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But thanks again for all of the great information and advice. You guys are the best. No, you are the best. Throwing it right back at you. Appreciate the kind words. Thank you for the five-star review. And congrats on the success and starting to uncover some of the pieces to your own puzzle right there, Cake and Tea. So Tommy, Mm-hmm. Let's talk real life application. Just like Let's cake and tea, how many meals should we be eating in a day? It's a great question. I think back in the day, I was always like a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and usually with probably two snack times in there, but depends on how the evening went because that one could be like mm-hmm. a slippery slope, you know? And I don't even know if I want to really like quantify the potential for evening snacking because I grew up kind of split between two households depending on the time of the year. And, but both sides of my family had very interesting or poor insulin-rich eating habits, especially in the evening time. And so that kind of led to to some of those habits early on. And so when I came into fasting, it was more along the lines of I was tracking pretty much everything most of the time, but 
even with very specific caloric and macronutrient recommendations from personal trainers and dietitians and, and things like that, it was always a minimum of four times a day. And at one point it was six times a day where I was measuring everything out, great macronutrients, a lot of healthy whole foods, nothing processed, kind of doing everything right, but still seeing like I was feeling worse. The scale was still ticking up despite working out like a madman and doing everything right and, and not having those evening time snacks and anything else like that. So I could not have answered this question at all. At this point, I would say something very different from that because that didn't work for so long. That's for sure. And back in the day when we started it, we we're like, all right, what worked for us? Well, OMAD was a super powerful weight loss tool for me. Yes. And then we did the the episode where you put me on the couch and we we walked out my first, <laughs> you know, my first 48 and a half pounds in 50 days. I like to say 50 and 50. Sounds and then better. that is not a normal expectation. I was being a guinea pig. I was pushing the envelope. You know, I was doing 24, 48, 72 hour fast. I did one five day fast during that time period as well. Mm -hmm. And then I got down to this crazy number and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, this is weird. I don't know what to do. So I went back to OMAD, but then the, the old habit started ticking up. Sure. And I was like, oh, I can just do one meal a day forever. And we created this fast start guide, which is how to put one meal a day fasting into your day to day life, which we've since leveled up into the blueprint for fasting for fat loss. These are free resources. You can grab them in the show notes or on our website. But what we realized was and just what this research and a couple of the links that were that were cited here in this article is that one study showed that conducted over two months among adults of normal weight found that those who ate just one meal a day between 5 and 9 p.m. exhibited higher morning fasting plasma glucose levels. Mm, yep. They also had more significant sustained glucose elevations and a delayed insulin response on an oral glucose tolerance test compared to those who ate three meals a day. Mm. So we talk about this. It's like, is one meal a day dinner the best strategy for a lot of people? It can work, but is it a long-term strategy? Is it a fat loss yeah. strategy? Is it a maintenance strategy? Is it a momentary maintenance strategy? And really that's where the nuance of the conversation comes into play. So for me, it was working for a time, but now mm -hmm. we say, as we've kind of changed our perspective a little bit, two of the biggest mistakes we see with fasting is keeping the same fasting schedule day in and day out and mm -hmm. or not making better food choices. Yeah. Right. Yep. So this speaks to that first problem. Right. And what this study shows is, OK, well, how many meals should I be eating? And really, I think there's three groups that this speaks to either beginner. You've been doing it for a while following mm. a strategic schedule and it, you've stuck. Right. Or you're more at the maintenance end where you're like, OK, what's I've lost the weight. Now, what do I do? Hmm. Now what? So, you know, you remember when, when I was mentioning early habits, right? And right. what can happen in the evening time? That's part of the potential slippery slope for what can happen with an OMAD dinner, because for a lot of us, dinner is the most, you know, kind of relaxed, looking forward to time of day. If I need to push off food for most of the day, I can do it. I can kind of extend my fast, make it to dinner. Doing an overnight, getting to the next day can be very much more difficult for a lot of folks versus just waiting till dinner and dinner you know oftentimes hey maybe it's a, a gathering at the the family table and, and things like that maybe it's an important meal or, or time with a spouse or a loved one or something else like that so what we found was 80 to 90 percent of people will wait and they'll choose omad dinner if they only had to choose one meal and so the the tricky part is when does dinner become a window and how do i close that window and does it lead to more highly, you know, carbohydrate rich and insulin producing foods coming in during that time? Because the trouble is we know physiologically speaking that we have the worst insulin resistance 
at the end of the day. So going into dinner, we are we are primed to store more of that food as our our body slows down, we get ready to transition into the sleep state, sleep and recovery. We don't just burn calories at the same rate. So we're actually potentially lifting the gates for fat storage and closing off the fat burning gates as we get towards the end of the day. It starts to become much more apparent why that can lead to plateaus and frustration and things like that, right? Yeah, and we want simplicity here too, right? So when we're looking at this, food timing, time-restricted eating, time-restricted feeding, all the different studies that we've talked about over the hundreds of episodes at this point, whether you're working on your metabolic health or weight loss or weight gain or better sleep, or for me, it was, you know, not feeling tired and crappy all the time mm -hmm. and my labs ticking up and my mood being off and, you know, just not feeling great. And you don't realize that until you really start to compartmentalize your food intake, mm -hmm. i.e., you know, focusing on the number of meals that you eat or how often you eat, you know, especially if you're trying to reverse blood sugar, elevated blood sugar, prediabetes, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, et cetera, then it's even more important that it's not a one size fits all, you know, meal frequency solution, right? But we do know, like you just mentioned, that eating earlier in the day has research-based and also anecdotally inside of our groups and our conversations and our challenges is that people have found that if they just make that one switch, they can see a tangible difference mm. pretty quickly. So I grew up four to six smaller meals in a day that was supposed to have a favorable impact. Mm. And there's really limited research that shows that. I just know that when I was packing up all my meals, and, you know, taking them with me and making sure I always had my snacks, you know, eating more frequently kept me in a fed state, which meant my blood sugar area under the curve was higher. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like kind of sluggish, right? I always felt mm -hmm. kind of icky, like I was always eating, right? Yeah. Never and then really it also, hungry. <laughs> yeah. And then it also yeah. blocks your hunger and satiety cues as well. Mm. Because if you're always eating or you always have a meal coming in, like, are you truly hungry? What's your hunger True. hormones? What are they trying to tell you, right? So, you know, there's a study shown in, in healthy males phone lower meal frequency, increased satiety, and it also mm. reduced feelings of hunger compared to groups that ate more frequently. So eating more than six meals daily versus three meals a day increases the risk, like the more meals you eat, increases the risk for chronic disease, mm. you know, although correlation, of course, doesn't equal causation. So when we're answering this question, you know, of how many meals is it going to work for you? I think talking about those three different groups, you know, if you're a beginner skipping breakfast, if you're, you know, at a plateau, or if you're the chronic, I'm going to do one meal a day, you know, kind of OMAD type person or yeah. OMAD warrior. The last, yeah, the OMAD warrior, dinner OMAD warrior, which is the most common thing we hear, or, you know, you're more, you're closer to that maintenance side of things. Yeah. You know, I, I think coming from the beginner perspective, understanding that if you skipped a meal and you kept everything else the same, it's a, probably a pretty good opportunity to get a little bit of a caloric deficit and give yourself a chance to have a little bit lower blood sugar, let insulin come down a little bit lower, whether it's breakfast or lunch or dinner. So I, I think that's kind of a good place to start, you know, as far as a beginner is concerned, is kind of like overcoming that initial hurdle or fear or concern, which is like, I don't know how I could go more than three or four or five hours without a meal because right. I feel terrible once I get to that spot. Well, like essentially we're, we're feeling the swings in our blood sugar and our insulin and we're feeling the volatility at that point. So doing a little bit just as kind of like dipping your, your toes in the water, I think might go a long way. If you're more like in the intermediate side of things, then 
I think trying out a few lunches and ending the day with some lunches rather than just dinner, because dinner's so habitual and just, you know, kind of flexing that muscle to cut off the eating and, and close that window down earlier in the day and feeling the physiological difference of like waking up, feeling a little bit differently. Like maybe you wake up tomorrow a little bit more hungry. Well, guess what? Like, that's okay. You're not going to out eat, you know, the old you, you're not going to eat all yeah. those dinner calories. Having you know? constantly muted hunger cues is also not a good thing. Yeah. Which is kind of counterintuitive, you know? It is. It is, right? So I notice when I eat earlier in the day, it also affects my sleep, which also affects my glucose yes. sensitivity the next day and my blood yep. sugar as well. So, you know, when we're eating less frequent, maybe a larger meal and then a smaller meal, you know, mm -hmm. just taking into account hormones like insulin, when you eat larger meals or, or higher in refined carbohydrates or added sugars, they stimulate that more insulin. So when you're grazing throughout the day, your body's always in that fed state. So yeah. you're always going to have a low level of kind of insulin and blood sugar. And you're never giving your body the opportunity to drop into a, a fat burning or those energy stores that you've got stored around the midsection for winter, right? So there was yep. a cool study out of the <laughs> Czech Republic. And by the way, I'm still raising my hand there. I've still got some visceral fat that I'm working <laughs> on there, right? So my hands and feet are both still raised. So the research out of the Czech Republic shows that adults with type 2 who eat two large meals per day have a better insulin sensitivity and increased weight loss than those who graze and eat more frequently. So I think mm, it's even I more important, right, for folks that are carrying the extra weight to decrease the frequency like now. Yeah. And if you have been and doing it consistently and it's working, keep doing it. But once it stops working, it's time to vary that window. Mm, vary the window. It's a great point because because then it can be like, okay, well, what do I what do I do about it? One thing I like to do with varying the window is also take a look at the last few plates that I've had. Like, have those felt like they've been pretty good, very intentional, or have I let some of the slippage kind of come back in? You know, like uh, have I have I gotten a little lax with my plates? Because you know, it's definitely going to affect how I feel and how easy it is to set my next fasting timer and actually stick to it, which is really important to give myself time to tap into those those winter stores. So if I'm going to make a decision about like varying a window, I like to do it like in, in two hour increments, you know, two, three hours, maybe. So I'm not changing everything, making these big swings all at once, because the trouble with big swings is that I want to avoid some of those, those long-term like diet mentality on off things that just kind of come habitually where it's like, oh, I tried this new big change thing and I didn't see, you know, an immediate result or the, the perfect outcome for it. So I guess I'm just going to turn that off and then go back to whatever I was doing before. Whereas if I'm, if I make it as a little smaller shift, then it, it doesn't have to feel so on off and I can make better kind of like course corrections and tweaks using those, that feedback rather than just like completely undo it and unwind and, and revert back to whatever wasn't working the last time that I was kind of like on track. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of reminds me of the, I just had a conversation recently with someone not in our, our fasting for life sphere just yet, but just mm -hmm. told me, yeah, I'm starting to do 20, 23 ones. And I'm like, okay, great. He's like, yeah, I totally overdid it the first night. Okay. Yep. Uh -oh. Been there, done that. Been there. Yep. And then the second night, yeah, I, I just think I, I, I'm just breaking my fast and I just want to eat everything in sight. Mm, right. Sure. So yep. this also goes into, and there's research that backs this up too, by skipping breakfast and only eating later in the day, that you will have the propensity to overindulge or continue to graze or overeat because your body hasn't had the normal signals throughout the day. So that's where fasting comes into play and can be really powerful, that it can help balance out those food cravings and it'll make 
the change is a lot easier. And that's what simplified it for me mm -hmm. is when I had to remove so many variables, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't typically eat breakfast, but I guess I can have a steak and eggs for breakfast. Let me see how sure. this feels for a few days. Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't want a snack at night anymore. Yeah. Interesting, <laughs> right? I up my fat Powerful. intake. I'm yeah. prioritizing protein, you know, and this, so every Wednesday night, and we're recording this on a Wednesday, every mm -hmm. Wednesday night is breakfast night in my house. Well, I typically will fast. I'll do a lunch on Wednesday and then I'll fast through Wednesday night because I'm not a big breakfast food person, you know, and there's, we're doing do a whole episode on just eating breakfast and what it does, diabetes and blood sugar, et cetera. And we've done a couple of them in the past, but some new research has come out. But for me, it's like, I would rather just skip the potential to have, even though they're gluten-free, you know, homemade collagen added pancakes, right? With sugar-free okay, syrup. Yeah. Like, so they're still good. I still don't feel great when I eat those types of things. So hey, y'all wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing and the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors, and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. 
That's what the yeah, family has. So I'll typically make a steak or I'll just have some eggs and maybe some some sausages or some some dark meat turkey bacon or something. Mm-hmm. But I typically just simplify it for me and I don't eat that meal. I'll eat earlier on a Wednesday. And it's been a lot better for that for me for a maintenance perspective on maintaining the weight loss mm-hmm. because I'm able to move those levers and I just know how I feel where my like you, my trouble spot was in the evening after dinner. Yeah. Where it was the time for the popcorn or the chips or the snacking because that, yeah. that's the model I grew up in. Yeah, me too. And then, you know, the tricky thing is if you are just shifting breakfast or you're just going from breakfast to lunch and then you do feel that propensity to just like graze throughout the day or bring in more stuff because it it's not like a set window that you're sticking to or something else like that. You're just kind of pushing off your initial nutrition, you know, first thing in the day, which which is a, a very, you know, kind of easy or maybe even like good way to get into fasting, you know, like a like a good first step for a lot of folks, like you mentioned in the beginning, just skipping breakfast. But th- the trouble is, if that is uncontrolled grazing later on in the day, it can it would be much better to bring in those calories and have that insulin effect, which is going to be smaller earlier in the day. And then I also have more time to actually you know, do physical activity and things like that, rather than it being pushed towards the end of the day. So that was one of the traps that I personally fell into as well, which was tracking calories, tracking macros, and thinking that a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, just a simple thermodynamics kind of thing. But when we push it towards the end of the day, and we have a different physiological response, we have a different response on the scale, and in our blood work and how we feel and our circadian rhythm, and all of those things that we've that we've mentioned, which is which is huge and, and adds up over time. Yeah, Two more highlights here is another study that was in in adults with type 2 diabetes found benefits from eating the largest meal earlier and a smaller meal for dinner, right? And then there was another research article that showed high energy breakfast as well had a really big improvement in later in the day blood sugar numbers. And there was mm-hmm. one on the Journal of Nutrients in 2019 that said the influence of meal frequency and timing on health in humans and the role of fasting. So mm-hmm. they came out and said that a regular meal pattern, including breakfast consumption. So this is for everybody out there doing dinner OMADs, right? Either close to maintenance, thinking about maintenance or been stuck at a plateau or really kind of losing and gaining the same three to five, five to 10 pounds. Or maybe you are reversing some blood sugar issues that consuming mm-hmm. a higher proportion of energy earlier in the day and a reduced meal frequency and regular fasting periods, you don't say, may provide <laughs> physiological benefits such as reduced inflammation and improved circadian rhythmicity and increased autophagy mm-hmm. and stress resistance and health with the gut. So, wow. by the way, I wanted to highlight that because that was me. And I was still able to get results, incredible results with fasting. And the majority of my fasting up until more recently, probably in the last eight to 10 months, uh, maybe a year, because right, my son's 16 months now. Yeah, probably about a year now. I was doing my meals either later in the afternoon or evenings. And just mm-hmm. now recently have I started to see the visceral fat respond and my sleep improve because I've got a whoop and I track all this stuff mm-hmm. by adding these meals earlier in the day. So I really love that this quote was here because I'm like, man, that was me. Like, I thought it was my gut. I thought it was my adrenals. Yeah. I thought it was all of this stuff. And it, yeah, it was stress, but it also was my insulin resistance number. Well, yeah, you know, that that stress response is different during the different times of day as well, you know, and then especially if you find yourself having a lot of caffeine or, you know, like you're 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 heavy on the coffee side and then you're manipulating the the meal timing or breakfast or no breakfast 
early in the day, that can be a whole bunch of different variables that are kind of coming at you and having a different physiological response. So it took time for you to kind of put those pieces together and then try out some new things and then see how you responded, you know, track some things, whoop, CGM, looking at, you know, ketones and, and blood sugar levels throughout the day. It's it's a process. Like it's so simple, but it's not always easy, right? Like there's there's these different layers, especially over time. Yeah. And that's why we've moved away from the, you know, OMAD's a great starting point. It's, it works so well if you're busy and kids and work and families and sure and traveling and all of this stuff, right? You know, that's Built some that's good where, habits too. Yeah. A hundred percent. It'll get the momentum going quickly, but then that's why we created the blueprint to fasting for fat loss, which you can get in the show notes as well. It's a free PDF. It'll give you some other fasting schedules that we find give you the biggest bang for your buck in terms of simplifying as well as kind of getting some of those repetitions as we start to navigate this. How many meals should I eat? What's the ideal fasting schedule? Mm. What's my calorie intake? What are my macros, right? So when we're looking at these types of things, that's why we've created those resources because it's giving you a starting point. And then really what we found is the personalization or the customization, the walking out of this stuff, which is why I love this conversation of how many meals, right? Well, what have you tried? What have you been doing? Where do you want to yeah. go? What do you want your end goal to look like? Do you want to do 16-8 every day? Do you want to do a 24-hour fast once a week? I love doing a 24-hour fast on Sundays because it makes my Monday, which is my busiest packed day mm -hmm. from a.m. to p.m., kids work, everything, right? Coming off the weekend. I like to have that extra BDNF and that extra energy going in into Monday. So my Monday then, I'm ready to eat by midday. So I typically will do a Monday lunch, but I never would have known that, right? Mm. Three years ago when I started this, right. especially coming from the you know weightlifting, powerlifting, exercise world yeah. where it was like, eat less, move Stoke more. Metabolism. I'm going to eat six chicken breasts a day, overnight oats, yeah. hard boiled eggs. Like I'm going to have rice cakes with peanut butter for extra protein and fat before bed, like all of that stuff. Right. So it's just been a really crazy journey and shift of mindset. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point too, is to understand like where the whole like how many meals and and more is better kind of comes from i i have a theory that it's two-pronged one being from all of the diabetic recommendations to keep a a kind of even keeled blood sugar response throughout the day rather than you know having these dips and you know that makes it easier to manage things like like insulin and other blood sugar affecting medications but then right. you also have the fact that if you are in an anabolic state or you're looking to grow muscle or you're looking to put on you know lean mass then you do need to tip the scale of the anabolic scales over you know human growth hormone and testosterone levels and there's a host of things that make sense but if you're somewhere outside of those two camps and you know you just have a little or a lot of weight to lose it's not really that more meal frequency is better now maybe more than one meal a day or maybe more than right. zero meals a day like my next longest fast is definitely not the holy grail it's not the answer you know another 48 another 72 is definitely not the answer like you alluded to on your you know 48 and a half and 50 50 and 50 and so knowing where all of those kind of conversation points kind of come from allows us to give ourselves permission to do something a little bit differently so we can get different and better results. Yeah. And if you're working at maintenance, I mean, that obviously is something you need to figure out. We don't want you to go back to the stuff that got you in trouble in the first place. Right. Three meals a day plus snacks. So yeah, what are, what are your higher consumption days going to look like? Where, where are your bigger meals going to live? How are you going to make sure that you're getting, you know, quality nutrition and, and that your body comp and your scale staying in a healthy range? And that's why I love this starting point of today's conversation is, well, how many meals a day? Well, we're going to go, if we had to, if you had to nail us down, we're going to say two meals a day, mm -hmm. right? If you're a beginner, 
great place to start. If you've been fasting and it's kind of stuck, great re-anchoring to getting some quality nutrition in and telling your body, hey, it's okay to continue to lose, Yeah, right? Like a little reverse fast. And then if you've been doing the one meal a day dinner or the one meal a day approach and it's time to vary it up, this will also be a great place to start. So two meals a day, earlier or middle of the day, one bigger meal and one smaller meal, prioritizing protein, I think would be where I would land, Tommy. And you are also controlling that dinner no man's land so uh -huh. that you can you can close that window and you can avoid some of the things that just happen in the void that you feel like you need to make up for the next day or you need a longer fast so that you can kind of undo that, then you're well on the right track and it's going to be easier to make a little bit better food choices and set your next fasting timer and do all of the things that you need to do. Plus energy levels are probably going to be higher too, which means it's going to be easier, easier to get out and move or do some deliberate exercise right. or go walking after a meal, all those kind of things yep. that, that really get the momentum going. Love it. All right. If you're looking for this article, you can head to the show notes. Nutrisense.io forward slash fasting for life is in the show notes as well. The blueprint to fasting for fat loss. Go grab that link if it's something you have gotten or need to re-anchor to for some fasting schedules and greater ideas. Tommy, appreciate the conversation as always. Appreciate y'all for listening and being on this fasting for life journey with us. Talk soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.